Have you ever wondered what life is like in the mind of an entrepreneur and founder? What are the things that they think about that keeps them up at night? How do they think about scaling their company? How do they even start a company from the ground up and, and understand and validate the problem that they're trying to solve for? Well, in today's episode of The Growth Equation, we had the pleasure of bringing on Jesse, who is the CEO and founder of HomeWise, a fast-growing fintech startup in the Toronto tech scene. Jesse has a just amazing perspective to talk about someone who's a serial entrepreneur, about like how he identified the problem, how he's going out and building the team, and what really kind of keeps him up at night and where is his focus areas as he's scaling on this. I think it was just a really interesting perspective to, to hear from like a founder side, entrepreneur side, to help other people that listen to this episode if they're ever interested in building their own company. And more importantly, like, what does an entrepreneur go through to try to drive success of their organization? So super excited to, uh, for everyone to have a listen. So let's get started. Hey, Jesse, welcome to the uh, Growth Equation podcast. Thanks for coming on today. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me. Uh, how are things going? You know, it's obviously a crazy time in the market right now in the world, but going as well as possible. We're back in the uh, the basement where the business actually started about a year and a half ago. So getting back to our roots and, and building, continually building the business. So crazy times, but having fun doing it. Yes, it definitely is an interesting time. I think our listeners would love to hear a story about like the, you know, how you started all this in the basement. So, you know, I think it'd be great just to maybe uh, tell a bit about yourself and some of your background. For sure. So my background is actually, even though our business is a mortgage business, it has nothing to do with real estate and nothing to do with mortgages. My my background's actually all been in digital marketing and, and advertising. Was a McGill grad, a business degree in marketing. Was a big digital nerd though, so was always looking for something in that space. So worked in digital advertising at a firm called Proximity. Then I worked at General Mills in the digital mar- marketing department for about four years. Then went on to uh, lead an agency that's in the data side of things. So using data to drive insights, creative, all that. And one of our biggest clients was actually one of Canada's biggest banks. Worked with them on their mortgage business, specifically trying to target first-time homebuyer millennials. They came to us and they said, you know, we really understand boomers and Gen Xers, but we really don't understand first-time homebuyers. Long story short of the whole story of it, they really don't. Um, They're out of touch with the way they do things, how they want to do things online. And it really gave me a line of sight into how the mortgage process has really lost on a lot of these first-time homebuyers who are over half of the homebuyers in Canada. Further, I learned a lot about how the banks will try to make quite a lot of money off their clients if they don't know how to properly ask the right questions or negotiate. So when I actually bought my own home, looked online to try to find any options, and I just found rate aggregation sites that really confused me. So that didn't really help. And then got put in touch with a mortgage broker who was a little bit more helpful, but really archaic. I had about an hour and a half phone call, then got sent a four-page Microsoft Word document to print, fill out, scan, and send back. Ton of back and forth. I, I just felt lost in the entire process until I was finally told who my mortgage is with and a rate, but really nothing else. And it was the classic, there's got to be a better way moment with so much tech and specifically in a financial space going online, really wondered why no one was helping this large first-time homebuyer demographic find the right mortgage and do it in the right way online, faster, easier, and more transparently. So that's really where this start, the idea first started. Uh, brought together a team of some great people that I used to work with in the past from tech and creative, as well as found a co-founder who has a lot more experience than I do. I'm, I'm 33. He just turned 50. He's a CA, he's an MBA, an engineer, a lawyer, and he's got a PhD in information systems and AI. So ton of different experience in myself. And the idea was, how do we build a really strong 
front-end solution for consumers to apply online in five minutes. And then we find them the best mortgage from all of our 30 different lenders that we have. And then from his end, my partner's side, he works purely on the data intelligence side to actually match them with the right options and create more of a digital experience. And from there, we have human advisors on our team that take clients from A to Z to get them approved for a mortgage. And we're consistently adding more and more tech to make it a more tech-enabled business and make things faster for our consumers. But right now, we're helping people all across Canada with mortgages uh, for new purchases, pre-approvals, refinances, and switches. And it's been a lot of fun and a lot of growth from the beginning of three people in the base of my house to now a 10-person team and an office during normal times. That's an, uh, an amazing description of some of your background. Like, super interesting there. And, and I think one thing that I, I kind of like took away, you were mentioning, you know, kind of starting like uh, starting your own agency and like, and then, you know, obviously starting, you know, the, you know, moving to the, you know, fintech world now. It's like, have you always been like a little bit of an entrepreneur in heart? Or is that something that's just been something that's like, you know, really kind of come, you know, formed, you know, through some of your experiences over the last few years? It's a good question. I would say yes. Um, I, both my parents are entrepreneurs. They both own their own respective small businesses. My brother is, my uncle is, my whole, my whole family is in the world of entrepreneurs, even though it's, they're not tech, they're, they're talent agents. But it's always been something that I've always wanted to do my own thing. Even if you asked me 10 years ago, I was meeting with friends trying to think of different ideas that we could put forward. I, I actually tried three other startups before that never got past the drawing board. But it's always been something I was really passionate about because I, I think every entrepreneur thinks a little bit different than what they see. I remember even working at some of the bigger organizations I worked at saying, hey, they're, they're doing things so different than that. I would actually do this. Why don't I make a change here? Why can't I do this myself? So it's always been something I've been passionate about. I think the biggest thing for me was just finding a great team, finding the right time and, and taking that leap of, of quitting your job that might be a Good job, well paid, great people, but taking that opportunity to say, you know, this is a great idea to work on, and it takes some time, but we're really excited that we we did that. And then, I guess you know, one really interesting question is like, you know, when you when you've talked a little bit about kind of how you kind of started like HomeWise, but like, you know, was that did you always picture your life as like, hey, you know, what I wanted to do is like, I want to get into like the mortgage game, or was this just something like naturally that yeah you felt as like a you know. A, a passion point is like of why no one's solving this and kind of how that kind of came to be over time. I've always loved real estate. Uh, Real realtor.ca has been one of my bookmarks at the top, my Chrome for years. I've I've always been really passionate about that industry, but mortgages are not exactly these fun things. (laughs) It's not something that people, we never learned about in high school or university. It's not something that we talk about too much, but I think having the problem and going through the problem myself and seeing that there should be better options created a passion in me. And I'm now a big mortgage nerd and really obsessed with it. But it took time. It took a lot of time to get into it and really say, this is an interesting industry. So it's a, there's two sides to it. One, went through the problem, really saw that there was a good solution. But two, over time, when you're building a business, you become so passionate about the problem you're solving in the business that you're building that no matter how weird it might sound to someone that you're passionate about mortgages or passionate about something in an interesting space, it's it becomes your baby and uh, something I, d- I definitely love working on every single day. And then I'm just, just on that, like, has, has it been different, you know, starting like a, a tech company versus some of the other things that you founded before in the past? Yeah. You know, the thing about a tech business is there's always more that you could do to try to move quickly. And that's sort of the cool thing that we're always doing is yeah, you, you might do it yourself or you're, 
in the shower and you want to jump out to write something in your phone because you thought of an idea. That's one of the things that's most exciting about working in tech is there's a ton of dark days where we're like, we have no idea why we did this or how to do this or can we do this? But there's so many exciting days where we're like, wow, there's so many new technologies that we can build quickly and really nimbly, which you wouldn't be able to do at a bigger company. And that's what's really exciting is just all the opportunity to continually build technology that no one else is building. And every day you learn something new, which allows us to build even more. Just going on that, you know, if someone's listening for the first time, like, what was like the process of you like, hey, you have this passion for this problem, you want to go solve it? Like, how do you figure out like what's next? How does someone even like go from like A to B to C to D? Yeah, it's not fast and it's not as easy as it sounds when I'm when I'm just talking right now and I'm a little bit more positive about it. It's it takes a lot of time. And and so the first thing I'll say is even today, there's dark days and there's great days. And that's I think that's the moral of for any startup founder that they should know is that you're not going to this cakewalk of an exciting time where every day is amazing. You were riding a consistent roller coaster. So before I went into the the whole idea of saying I'm gonna quit my my great job and go into this, there is about a four-month span of seeing if it was a good idea, looking internationally to see if anyone else is working on this, speaking to as many people as I could to say, hey, is this a good idea? What do you think about this? Would you be interested in using this? Would you be interested in potentially investing in this? Uh, then building up strategies, building up plans, trying to break holes in our strategies and plans. Before we even launched any technology, this is actually the advice I got from a friend of mine who has a large fintech company in Canada. And he said, build a PDF version of your site. And it was one of the best pieces of advice I ever got. Uh, and I built a PDF version of the site, sent it out to about 50 different friends and had them fill it out and got a ton of feedback. That really helped us build the initial MVP. So that that's really how the initial, okay, what do we want to build first from a tech perspective started was what do people want and don't want? How do you build the MVP and get that out there as quickly as possible? And when we first launched, it was three people in the basement of my house in the real base, basic version of our five-minute application, then they'll be speaking to person on our team, really manual, a lot of random looking through Excel files and a lot of dirty work on our end and sort of hiding behind the technical front end with a lot of human back end. But every day you're learning more and implementing more tech and building more and finding more people to, to join your team. We raised a round of financing in 2018. At the end of 2018, we actually are in the midst of raising a round of financing now. We just closed part of it and we're going to continually raise more. Obviously, it's an interesting time to raise money. But it's not an easy task and it's one where you have to figure out, okay, is this, is this something I want to be doing for the next 5 to 15 years potentially and dedicating a lot of my time and effort into this? And then, you know, as, as you just talked about some of the, like, you know, obviously there's some positive days and some dark days and, and, you know, you, do you want to invest, you know, a big chunk of like your life in towards this is like, what would you say around like investing like this time? Is this, is this something that you have to have, like, you have to be super passionate on the problem? Is it like the the business opportunity and more, how do you think you can build like a big business? It's like, I guess, what are those things that like kind of keep your motivation and your passion up and that keeps you, that, that you wake up every day wanting to like, wanting to like solve this problem? Like what are those things that, you know, as you think about founding the company that, that you should focus in on uh, and that's important to be successful? Yeah, that, that's an interesting one. Cause I always think micro and macro on this macro. I love the idea of building a tech company and continually building a company that's going to be able to grow and expand across Canada and potentially elsewhere afterwards. On a micro perspective, one of the things that I really love about what we do is we're actually helping people out. We're helping people discover their the, the best mortgage for their home. We're helping them save money. 
or helping them realizing their home buying dreams because a lot of people don't know that they can get a mortgage, let alone they were turned down by their bank, but we have other lender solutions. So one of the things that really excites me most on a day-to-day basis is we're actually helping people out. It's not a, it's not a business that's just there to make money. It's one to actually help people save money and make their lives easier by saving time. On the other side of that, Jack Ma has a, has a great quote. I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't know it exactly. But it's basically, if you're building a business for today rather than 10 years from now, you're not going to build a sustainable, great business. And that's one of the things that also gets us really excited every day is my co-founder, Carlos, and I, and many member of our, members of our team, like our CTO, Madara, We'll, we'll always talk about what is that next thing that we're building that no one else is building around the world? And what is that thing that we're so excited about that we're going to own and grow with? So it's just that ability to always look forward and not as much look back and build more and more really interesting technology, but also consumer processes to make us a better company for the people that work with us. And then how does someone go about and like, you know, you have this idea and, and you know, now you probably don't want to do this on your own and you need to find like, you know, another co-founder to do this with or to talk to work with you? Like, how, how do you go about like trying to find those people? That's an often a million dollar question. The, the actual initial idea for the business was with a, a friend of mine. We were, I was walking down the street with my wife, well, my now wife, she was not my wife then, and saw him on the street. Hadn't seen him in about a year. He was actually at Harvard Business School at the time. And he was telling me what he was working on that summer. He was doing an internship. And I just, brought up this idea to him and he brought up the idea back to me on another way to do it. And then for three weeks, we worked on this this baby of ours. And then he went back to Harvard. And obviously I was like, well, I lost my, my business partner. Started working on the idea by myself with a couple of my friends and, and people that are currently on the team right now. And thought, you know what, maybe I'll, I'll do this on my own. But eventually found my business partner, Carlos, just through osmosis. See. He used to work with our principal broker. We got along really well. We had completely different skill sets. And that, that was one of the most important things for me in finding the right partner was finding someone who wasn't a front-end person like myself, wasn't a marketer, wasn't a consumer person like myself, but was the exact opposite skills. And that's where Carlos and I really get along really well is he has a whole different view than I do of the business. We'll butt heads on things, but we'll come to always a great solution in the end because we also get along really well. So... I think the three things you want to look for in a partner is someone who has a completely different skill set than you, someone who you get along with, because that's extremely important in the end, because you're spending as much time with them as you are your significant other or even yourself in the evenings. And then the last one is someone who really has a passion for what you're building as much as you do, because you're going to be in the trenches with them. And if you ever feel that you're working harder than your partner or your partner feels like they're working harder than you, it creates unneeded conflict. So you want to make sure you found someone who understands what it is to work at a tech startup and not someone who just likes the sexy idea of working at a tech startup and building a tech startup. And I think that's a really awesome answer. And I think uh, another follow-up question specifically I kind of have on that is that, you know, let's talk and kind of switch gears specifically around just like the, like the mortgage in- industry in, in general. You know, I'm someone that's super passionate about fintech um, and super passionate about like, I just feel like, you know, the way that we've been doing things for so long is just like, it's just insanity. It's so archaic. And and I think what is like one of like the most like interesting insights that you've kind of learned from like specifically focusing on like the home buying experience and like, where do you think that there is just like an opportunity to really help out like customers and, cons- and consumers uh, overall Canada? I think one of the main things is that a lot of people don't know that they can get a mortgage outside of their bank. And 
they've been banking with one of these big banks for so long. They see all their ads and they think, well, my bank cares about me. They're going to give me the best mortgage because they're my bank. But I think the number one thing that I learned even before I started the business and more and more every day is that in the end, the number one goal of a bank is to make money, right? So that we work with 30 different lenders from big banks that you might have heard the name of to monolith lenders who only uh, provide mortgages to credit unions who provide mortgages and other services. And oftentimes, these other lenders provide better mortgages than the big banks. Like as an example, my mortgage is with a credit union because it provided the right mortgage for me. So that, that was one of the, the first things I really learned was there are a ton of options for consumers and they should really understand why the options are great for them. The second side is that everyone is so different. There are so many different lenders and there are so many different mortgage options that people should understand why the right options might be right for them. Do they do a five-year fixed or a five-year variable or a three-year fixed? Do they use a lender of one type or another type? Do they look for better prepayment privileges or are they purely focused on rate? And that's one of the things that is interesting to me every single day is just seeing how consumers choose different products. And the a lot of the data intelligence technology that we're actually building is based around understanding how different every consumer is and providing the right solutions based on the consistent information we're gaining from them. So the industry changes every day and people's processes change every day. And I, I think on top of understanding the consumer and what mortgage might be right for them, we're also seeing the process consistently go more and more online and trying to provide the right options for them. And we've, we've actually partnered with a couple companies so that we can now actually provide a mortgage from A to Z without having to meet someone in person from the mortgage process to the insurance to the real estate lawyer as well. Because there, you can now do a real estate lawyer through video chat. You can do A to Z of the process online. So it, the industry's changing so much every day and we're, we're, we're lucky to be uh, at the forefront as it's changing. And then just on that, like when you're looking at like just first time home buyers, as like as an example, you know, I, m- I remember like my experience going through there and it, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's something for us, a first time home buyer can be very over, like overwhelming on like how to make the right decision here. It's probably one of the, it's probably the biggest like financial decision you make, especially very early on. And it's like, what has been some of like the, I guess some of the the customers that you've been dealing with and like their mindset and like, where do you see like there's common pitfalls that they make as part of these decisions or like the thing, the most common things that they just don't know as they go through that process? Uh, Yeah. I I think the biggest issue is people don't understand mortgages. We were never taught about this in school. We were never, it'd be university or high school. I mentioned that earlier. And oftentimes when they go directly to a bank or to a broker who's interest is to get the deal closed as quickly as possible, they're losing on a, on a lot of key advice. And that that's something that we realize is really important with first-time home buyers is provide transparency and advice. And what, what we often see after having conversations with them is there might be that low-rate basic mortgage that might offer a rate that's five basis points lower. But when we explain to them that there's restrictions, they might not have the same options available. This is the reason why you might not want only the low rate option, but you might want a mortgage that has a lot of features associated with it. Almost 100% of the time, a first-time homebuyer will not just go for the lowest rate option. They'll go for the best all-around mortgage because rate can only save you 15 to 30 bucks a month and maybe a couple thousand dollars over a five-year span. But if you don't have the right mortgage features like prepayment privileges, portability... Uh, lump sum payments, you can lose a lot of more money by not switching into the right mortgage. So those are a lot of the things that we learn is trying to provide as much advice to our clients as possible. We have a ton of content on our site, but also once someone applies to our site, they're not just working with a computer. They're actually set up with a human advisor on our side. And 
people always say this, hey, you're going to cut your advisors out. We say, no, we want to cut out the admin work. We want to cut out the paperwork. We want to cut out the tedious side. But we still think it's important to have that human interaction to provide advice and to answer questions and also to list some questions people might not know they might have. Because one of the problems that we see is that people not only don't don't have questions because they're not knowledgeable about it, they don't know what questions to ask. And trying to fill in the gaps is so important to help them make the right decision because it's arguably the biggest financial decision they'll make in their life. What, what in your opinion, has been like the biggest thing that's been like, you know, a lot like compared to some industries out there, right? Like fintech and, and specifically talking about like home ownership and mortgages, like it's a little bit outdated. Now I think you're starting to see technology come into the space, but like why now and why hasn't this happened like five years ago? Yeah, you know, especially when you think about Canada, the business is booming here. Real estate continually grows. The mortgage broker market share has grown substantially over the last 10 years because people are moving away from just going to their banks and looking through other options. So with that being the case, if your business continually grows, why change? And that's really where we saw an opportunity in the marketplace. And a lot of these other fintech companies saw the big opportunities is a lot of the incumbents haven't really innovated. So the second there's some people getting into the marketplace, you're going to start to see more of a shift. And that's what we're excited to see is there's there's more and more companies getting into the mortgage space in all different types from processing to loan management to everything in between, which is going to be really helpful to consumers, which in the end is the most important thing. And, and that that sort of is what excites us most, even in today's climate when people are working from home is there's sort of going to be a little bit of a extra gas in the ignition to move and to create that digital transformation for a lot of companies. And then just kind of like switching gears back on to talking about just from like a company perspective is like, you know, if you're an early stage company and you're, you know, you're, and you try to think about like, there's so many things you could be working on and you, and you, you wonder like, well, what, what do we focus on first? You know, what would you, what would you tell like, you know, potentially like inspiring like entrepreneurs of like, should it be um, from a tech perspective? Should it be like on your product? Should it be like, you need to push who your customers are? Do you need to like focus on like marketing? Like where would you say is like, you, you need to double down on to, to be, to try to build some momentum? It's funny when you work at a big company, like yourself, you've worked at some large organizations, myself as well. You're in meetings nine to five every day. There's so much structure. There's so many people telling you what to do and how things have been done in the past. When you're building a startup, you're literally starting from ground zero. So every day, there's a matter of what should we be doing? How do you how do you create structure and how do you focus on the right tasks? And in the end, what I always think about is start with the consumer. If you're thinking about your consumer or your customer and always thinking about how you're going to create the most value for them and potentially make the most revenue for your business, that's the most important thing to do. Because too often do I see companies build too much tech too quickly and then backtrack and say, oh, we didn't need to build all that technology. So what we always try to do is think about what the consumer is. What's the consumer need? How do we fulfill the consumer need? Do we need to build this technology yet? Or can we sort of use humans in certain places and build technology where you need them in other places and test and iterate and learn? And sometimes you're making big tests. Sometimes you're making smaller tests. But the key is, is always think about the consumer and that question of the why. Why are you doing this? And what value does it bring to your business in the end? And how does it enable you to continually grow and scale in the future? Amazing. I love that answer. And then I think, um, you know, kind of a follow-up question to that is like, you know, what would you tell like basically inspiring entrepreneurs or like founders and like, you know, they have an idea like, and you know, they, they, they want to start their own company. Like what would you recommend they do first? 
So I, one of my good friends, his name's Paul Cumbo. He started, he's a doctor who started a business called TrendMD and he's a doctor again. One of the, he gave me a great piece of advice and he said, tell everyone your idea. I'm like, well, that's interesting. He goes, yeah, if you tell everyone your idea, you're going to get a great amount of advice. And if anyone steals your idea, that's basically a shame on you because this was your baby to begin with. You should have built it faster than them. So I think that's the first thing is talk to a ton of people, be it your friends, be it your mentors, be it people you've never even spoken to before. Reach out to them on LinkedIn and ask them a question. Get connected to them through friends because there's so much great advice out there from people that say, this is a great idea. This is a bad idea. Try this. That's part one. Part two is also trust your instinct because there are certain ideas that everyone's going to say this might be a bad idea right off the bat. But if you really believe in it and if you truly think that being able to rent out your house and let anyone sleep in it at any time to make money is a good idea, maybe Airbnb is a good idea. So I think that's that's the key is to not let other people's opinions completely sway you one way or another, but take a lot of ideas and also build out a, a team because team is so important to have. So think about who the people are going to be that you, you're working with every day on this. So you could call at 10 o'clock at night and they won't think you're crazy for calling them at 10 o'clock at night. Amazing. And then I think just uh, a couple of last, last couple questions I have is just around like, you know, as an entrepreneur and a founder, you know, you talked a little bit about this, you know, there's some positives or some, there's kind of like some negative days. Um, what is like the most important thing to like, to keep driving forward and, and you know, make sure like that negativity, negativity doesn't consume you when you have those down days? Yeah, I think that's a big thing. I, I'm a super positive person to begin with. So my negativity doesn't last always too long. It might last a day or two there sometimes. But the key is always to think big picture. Anytime there's a negative situation, it's always what's happening in this exact moment. And if you're thinking about what you're building in the long run, it's really easy to get over it. A lot of my... Um, I wouldn't call it negativity, but I would call it more... The darkness comes from the fact that every time you grow as a business, you add more people on your team. So I'm always thinking about my team. How do we grow our team? How do we build more people? How do we add more people to the team? And whenever something scary might happen to the business, I'm always thinking about, okay, how does this affect our team? And I think that's the key thing to always think about is that you are a team. So to lean on everyone, don't be afraid to talk to folks. Also during those dark times, I suggest this to everyone, have speak to your friends who might have tech companies. If you don't have friends who have tech companies, there are groups online that you can join to start to speak to folks or reach out to people. Like I've had so many people reach out to me on LinkedIn saying, Hey, I love your advice on how you started a business. And I'm like, well, I'm only a year and a half in. So I'm not the most knowledgeable of this, but I'm happy to give you advice on where I am right now. So it's always great to get advice from people in the early phases and mid phases, the later phases, because once you speak to some other founders, you'll hear they're all going through the same problems as you and you're not alone. So speak to people. I, that's that's like my number one advice for almost everything. And then I think just on that, you touched a little bit about that is like specifically around like the team and like leadership and like, and obviously that has a, a big relationship to like culture is like, how much of that do, you know, from an early stage perspective, companies need to be thinking about like building the team and more importantly, like healthy culture in the right way to enable like where you want to go from a growth perspective. It's a hard thing because when you start in a room with four people, three people, you get so close with these people. It's such a small group. Like when you, when you think that these people were, were working in the basement of my house and I'd have to leave for meetings and they're just in my house and they're there. And it's a really interesting mentality. So building cultures, it sounds a lot easier than it is at a startup because you're all friendly, you're all working together, but you sort of lose sight of the fact that as you continually grow, you don't have that same relationship with the new people as you do with the older people. So the key number one key at a startup is to realize that 
everyone has impact on your business. And to try to be as flat as possible is a great way to have everyone feel like they have an impact on the business. And that's every time I interview someone, every time we hire someone, I say the same thing. Even though you might be on X role, you could help with Y role. So if you see something that we could help build, would love your advice, would love your ideas in that area because that's how we're going to become a better business. So that's one of the keys from a culture perspective is to empower your team to always think that they can do more than just their role. And, and then the second side of culture is try to do some fun stuff. Um, we try to do fun things every now and then, be it going out for a fun of team event, going out for lunches, doing fun team games, especially while we're on, on at home right now. We Every week, we do a different team game and sometimes we throw some more in during the week. Try not to inundate people because when you try to force feed things down their throat, it, it becomes forcing fun rather than actually having fun. So you want to build a culture where people enjoy where they work because the more people will be motivated and enjoy where they work, the harder they're going to work for you and, and not be afraid to come in every day to a job that they're not excited to be at. Amazing. And then I think that's the last question I have just kind of before I wrap things up is one of the things that like kind of keep you up at night as you're trying to run your company? At the highest level, what keeps me up at night is just consistently thinking about how we're going to build this business. There's there's always things that you could do. There's always things you aren't doing. And when you think about building the business, it, it comes down to your team. So is everyone firing on all cylinders? Are there things that leadership isn't doing to help enable our team further? For our tech, what are we not building? What can we what can we add to our tech to make it better? Uh, for expansion, we, we recently expanded across Canada. Well, how are we going to properly expand across Canada so that we're doing this successfully? Where might we expand later? And then fin- financials, as a startup, you're often operating at a loss unless you're profitable right off the bat, which that's very few companies. So how are you keeping your finances properly in place to make sure you're being as dealing with your money in the right way? And you're not being hyper-conservative or hyper-liberal with your dollars, but spending your money the right way and extending your runway in a way that will allow you to hit your next milestones to raise your next rounds. So I, I always joke that I've never slept less than when I first started the business. I'm sleeping better now, luckily, even though I have a two-month-old baby, she keeps me up in bed at night. But there's a lot of sleepless nights, especially in the first year of starting your business. And there still are a ton of sleepless nights. The key is to always think that move forward, keep building your business and and good things will happen. Oh, I love that. That was awesome. And I think just to kind of... You know, the listeners are really going to like love this episode and really offer an interesting perspective. Um, so just kind of the, the last kind of little question I have for you is just more around, you know, if someone was listening to the podcast and was really inspired by what you're saying or wants to learn more just specifically about like, you know, home life in general, like, you know, how would they reach out to you? I'm so happy to talk to anyone. I, I'm, I'm always open to chat. So one, add me on LinkedIn. Uh, two, you can send me an email. My email is jesse at thinkhomewise.com. Give me a call if you want to give me a call. My, you'll, once you email me, my phone number will be in my email signature. Do whatever you need. I, I'm happy to be in touch. I'm happy to talk shop. I talk to all different people, either looking to start startups, work at a startup, even students who are looking to break into the startup space and the tech space. So always happy to talk and, and share ideas and hopefully help some people out if possible. Maybe they help me out in the way as well because... A lot of people I speak to actually have great advice themselves. So always happy to chat with people. Amazing. Yeah. So thanks for doing this. I think the, the this episode is going to be uh, well-received and everyone's going to really enjoy it. You had some really amazing insights just from a founder perspective that uh, we haven't heard yet. So just wanted to say, again, thanks for coming on and taking your time on the podcast and we will, we will catch you later. Thanks so much, Greg. Great speaking with you. Okay. 